We continue this morning in our studies in 1 Peter. We will be picking up in verse 13. We are passing passing over mainly into the ethical part, or what a lot of theologians prefer to call the moral, theological part of the letter. And what we do, I'm going to read a quote by Rush Dooney that something to think about while we study this. Rush Dooney says, The fact that man-made laws now govern us does not entitle us to disobedience because Christ's way is not revolution but regeneration. The revolutionary act for us must be faithfulness to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that's the type of thing we will be looking at here this morning. Um, Peter had given us, given his recipients instructions last, last week, beginning in verse 11, about abstaining from the passions of the flesh. And in verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles or unbelievers or persecutors honorable so that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter says you're going to be persecuted. You have a duty while you're persecuted. You are to continue to do good. And that way you will put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. These people that speak against you as evildoers, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So we will actually be, or we have a duty to do good before unbelievers so that they will repent of their sins and glorify God and and avoid the day of judgment, the day of visitation. So actually we are a blessing to them even though they persecute us. So that brings us to this this morning's uh, lesson. And we start here with subjection. And before we actually have the passage read, let's have Daniel 2, 20 through 21 read to us. Daniel 2? Yes. 23. That's all right. Now we'll, have, we'll take two verses off of the next assignment, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, now, it's what we hear and there is here in this passage is that God controls history. He sets up kings. He removes kings. So it's up to God is who the king is, who the civil authorities are. All right, let's have Proverbs 8.15 read to us. By me, kings reign, and rulers decree justice. All right, that's wisdom speaking. In other words, Jesus Christ speaking. So uh, by 
Christ by the triune God. King's reign. Okay. Now, let's have verses 13 through 17 read to us from 1 Peter chapter 2. The subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it is to be the emperor as supreme, the governors are sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. There was a people who were free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Okay. So the first command here is to be submissive uh, for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And it's in the imperative, this is a command, be subject for the Lord's sake to every <coughs> human institution. Uh, and I'm going to read a few other verses down the line here considering commands on submission. We just read 2.13 and down at 2.18 Peter says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. So that's another passage that tells us to be subject. And then we have 3, 1, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. All right. And then in 5, 5, 1 Peter 5, 5. We have likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, we, the Christian life is a life of submission. We read in uh, Ephesians 5 that we're to be subject to, wives to be subject to the husbands, uh, that children are to be subject to the parents, that we're to be subject to those over us, to one another. In fact, if we read in Ephesians 5.21, I think somebody has that passage, Ephesians 5.21. I do. Okay. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another out of the reverence or fear of Christ. So the New Testament is full of this idea of Christians being submissive or subject to one another. We also see it in Philippians 2, chapter uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11, and in Romans 12. So, yeah, it's taught in a lot of places. So in your notes, Peter gives the recipients further instructions on how to conduct their lives in the hostile environment in which they live. Okay? You know, you got problems, but... Here's something else I'm going to tell you. So he introduces the theme of submission. Submission. And we are told these recipients Peter Peter is writing, or these recipients Peter is writing to, uh, we are told to be subject to governors, to masters, to husbands and wives, and these we'll be getting to, and to one another. 
Now, there is a way that husbands are to be submissive to their wives, too, but it's in a totally different way than wives are subject to their husbands. And we'll be getting to that in a few weeks. So we realize through reading these things that Christians are to generally live a life of submission to others. And Peter is drawing from Ephesians 5 and 6, Philippians 2, and Romans 12. And then he notes, Peter instructs them to be submissive to every human institution. Now, literally on this, is what Peter says is be submissive to every human creature. Every human creature. And most commentators believe that it's talking about every institution uh, created by man. So every every everything that we create that's in an institution that man creates, <clears throat> us Christians are supposed to be in submission to it. Every human creature, every human creation. Okay, <clears throat> now, he mentions emperors and governors in this passage. <clears throat> All right, it starts out, he says, um, be subject for the Lord's sake for every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, that would be the top tier, or to the governor as sent by him. So both the top tier and those under him. Every human institution, whether it be local or federal or whatever in our case, Okay, now this is uh, similar to Paul's command in Romans 13.1, if we could have that read. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Okay, that's good. All right, so we learn in this that uh, we are to be subject to the governing authorities, that they have been put there by God, would be the rationale why we are supposed to be subject to them. All right, now John 19.11 gives us some information. Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Alright. Um, Jesus is telling Pilate there that he does have authority, but the only reason he does is because it's been given to him by God. And that should be comforting to Christians. That they're put there by God, no matter how wicked they are. Alright, so that passage goes on to explain why. However, Peter recognizes that there are limits to the sphere of government, the sphere of government authorities. And the person, the man who wrote this letter, let's see what he does in action. Acts 4.20. I think we should do 19 and 20. Okay, that's, that's good. Do 19 but Peter and, and John answered and said to them, 
whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Okay. Now, Peter realizes that these... Um, who Who is he speaking there? Um, those in authority over him have exceeded their sphere of authority. They are commanded them to do something that God's law forbids. Or they're forbidding them to do something that God's law commands. So when the governing authority exceeds their authority and commands a Christian to sin, he has a right there to disobey, according to what we learn from Peter there. So if you don't combine these things, you don't have any uh, nuance to what goes on in First Peter 2. Mm-hmm. You know, submit yourself, period. Yeah. Well, no, that's not what it says. Yeah, and a lot of people get into trouble just by, sure. by that, not doing the analogy of Scripture, see what else Scripture has to say about a certain passage. First rule of interpretation. You compare Scripture with Scripture. So you're you're absolutely right about that. Back then they didn't have as many government authorities. We've got two and a half, what is it, two and a half, three million government uh, employees. Yeah, probably so. Can't can't submit to every one of them. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here's what the uh, our confession has to say. If you got a copy of it, this is chapter twenty-three of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Chapter 23, section 1, sums this up pretty nicely. And it says, God, the supreme Lord and King of all the world, has ordained civil magistrates to be under him. In other words, civil magistrates are under God. Over the people for his own glory and the public good. They're they're all supposed to be there for the public good. And to this end hath armed them with the power of the sword for the defense and encouragement of them that are good and for the punishment of the evildoers. Okay. I think that sums it up nicely because the next thing I want to talk about is the reason that they're sent. Peter says in this chapter, in this verse, he says in verse 14, or to the governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So they punish evildoers and they promise or or to praise the good. They're not here to provide for us, but they're here to protect us. Nowhere in the Bible do you see that the civil authorities are to provide for us from womb to tomb. So that's their sphere of authority. They are here for the good of society. They are here to punish evildoers. They are here to praise the good. All right, I know I probably have some comments on this section. Usually it draws a lot of comments. 
Anybody have anything to add to what I've said? What well, What is the right way then to respond when they're not doing the will of God, the magistrates, when they're not calling evil evil? Good question. That's what we're getting ready to get into. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? We're going to answer his. All right, well, let's go on to the next verse. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. We're going to have fools over us at times. But even at that time, we are to continue to do good. Okay? Back to your notes. It is God's will for them to do good even when they are wrongly persecuted. Now Christians during this time have a reputation for not being good citizens. They won't bow the knee to Caesar, which means they can't serve in the military forces there. And they don't go to a lot of the gatherings of the people because it involves pagan worship. So Christians have a bad reputation. They are accused of not being good citizens. They're slandered. They won't bow the knee to Caesar. However, they can still be submissive when the rulers don't exceed their authority. When you are told to do something by those over you, you can resist if they've exceeded their authority. Otherwise, you do what they say to do. You, and you are under the obligation to still do good, just like we read in the previous uh, lesson last week, that keep your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, so that even when they speak to you as evil, they slander you. They would be won over to God and avoid being judged. That's tough. It is tough. But we're supposed to continue to do good even when we are being wrong. And we will get into that even more probably next week. I doubt we get there this week. Okay, so be submissive to every human creation, whether it is an emperor, a governor. They are sent to punish evildoers, to reward good doers. And when they don't, when they act foolishly, uh, by doing good, we're to put them to silence. Okay, then next Peter goes on and says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. All right, Christians are free. He says, live as people who are free. All right, we're not slaves to sin, 
We've been forgiven. We're not under the law for justification. We're still obligated to live according to God's law, but not to be saved. Okay, so we are free people. We are free to do good. And we are now servants of God and we know the truth. And again, here we go. We are to be good witnesses. Even when things get really bad, we're still to be good witnesses because remember, the only hope of these pagans that are persecuting them is us. We're their only hope. By doing good, they can repent of their sins, turn to Christ, and glorify God on the day of visitation. They're mean and ugly to us, but we're their only hope. <clears throat> All right, Peter goes on in verse 18, excuse me, 17, says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So some of these things are easy and some aren't too easy, right? <laughs> okay. All right, so we're to be good. This is how we're to be good witnesses. <clears throat> we show honor to all, not just Christians. And, um, you know, you have to realize, this is the way I look at it, they're created in the image of God. They may be very wicked and all that, but they're still retain the image of God to a certain degree. It's truly a warped image, but they, all men are created the image of God, and therefore we are to show honor to all and not just Christians. All right, we're to love one another the way Christ loved us. We're to love the brotherhood. Brotherly love, right? Like the city of brotherly love, Pittsburgh. Mm. Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> Philadelphia. <laughs> Please, Pittsburgh is much different. <laughs> I just well, seen if y'all were awake. I knew it wasn't Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. I knew it wasn't Atlanta. So. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, and Bill, if you lived there for a while, it's called the city of brotherly shove. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Philadelphia is... Brotherly love, translated. And it's the Greek word for brotherly love, Philadelphia. Okay, um, and then also we're to show the fear and reverence for God in our daily living. We are supposed to be different. We are supposed to show fear of God. And we are supposed to therefore keep his commandments and live the way he tells us to. And if we, we, we can obey the governors that are wicked or the, or the um, emperors, presidents or whatever that are wicked, that are over us, um, if we fear God, what do we fear them? Above all, we fear God. Above all, we obey God. And then the last part says, honor the emperor. So what's what we said before several times in here, honor those who are in authority over them. All right, in this way, they can put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
Their persecutors are definitely ignorant and foolish people in God's sight, which means that they are truly ignorant and foolish people. What they are in the sight of God is what they are. Nothing more, nothing less. They think they're really something. They think they're really smart. But they're fools. In God's eyes, they're fools. And that's what counts. And since they don't know the truth, we are to live the truth. That's the only truth they're ever going to come across. It's the only truth they're ever going to come across when we live the truth in, in their presence. And this is the God-honoring way to witness. Peter lays it out here. This is the God-honoring way to witness in the presence of wicked people, including those people that are over you. This is not Burger King. You can't do it your way. We do it God's way, right? which sometimes is very hard. All right. Questions, comments? Mike? Little previous blanks. Therefore, they are... To be good witnesses. And the last one is this is the God-honoring way to witness. And the two blanks above that, Peter instructs them to be submissive to every human institution he mentions. Governors and emperors, which should be high level and lower level. Mike, you had some. Yeah, I mean these are just a few verses here, but there's no way that you can keep any of this without knowing what God's law is. And mm. so that's why here, another place to put an emphasis on knowing what God's law is, because if if the government authority tells you to do something and you don't know that that's against God's law, then you're just going to go off and do it. That's right. You're absolutely right because uh, then it's just a guessing game. You don't know God's law. It's whatever seems right to me and that's probably going to be wrong. Yes, God's law is necessary. And what about when they're not following their own law? Like when Paul calls them uh, when he appeals to Caesar because they were not or when they were beaten and he, he wants an official apology not just to be sent out of town well he was submissive I mean he appeals yeah, to Caesar there, there has to be times when you could tell them you're not following your own laws and in our country with this supposed to uh, rule by the consent of the governor yeah. which God set up this government. It's, it's a blessing compared to some other governments. We have, the, have redress. Yeah, we have the freedom to tell them they're doing wrong, that they're that they're deviating from God's law, and they're wicked people. We can still tell them that. We have to honor their office, but we can still tell them they're wicked people. Law, like like the, the whole vaccine. <clears throat> yeah, just tell them they're a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, we we can express our opinion. As long as we don't disobey them, we're free to do what we want to do as far as criticizing. Well, those problems are even in the founding documents like the Constitution, like uh, eminent domain, 
whatever documents we have. Johnson 1 doesn't tell you that the government can come in and take what's yours. Right. And so there's problems even in founding documents in the Constitution. We have to remember, yeah, that, you know, all these laws are written by sinful men. Yeah. And, but I think we still need to be thankful. We have it as good as we do have and just try to do what we can to improve the situation. So um, we pray for them. That, that's why Paul says to pray for them because he knows they're going to be wicked. Now, there's never been a governing document of any kind that's not loaded up with sin. So we do need to remember that all those in authority over us are sinners. And some of them are downright wicked people. Okay, anything else? That's the best I can do with that. But yeah, you're right about it. I'm not going to try to get into the next section because I want to cover that all at once also. I don't want to hurry through it. I want to save it. So uh, This is as far as we're going to get today unless anybody else has any questions or comments. Okay. Charles, will you close us in prayer, please? Let's pray.